Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. The business end of the 2022 Australian Open awaits, but not before the remaining quarterfinal spots are booked on day eight in Melbourne. Rafa Nadal needed some electrifying moments to advance, while unseated Madison Keys continued her ascent into contention. Plus, what now for Emma Raducanu? John Wertheim explores the immediate future for the teenage sensation in today's edition of Unstrung. And all eyes will be on top-ranked American Taylor Fritz, looking to take another step up the career ladder. All those stories and more over the next two hours on this Australian Open edition of Tennis Channel Live. Let's go. It is day eight of the Australian Open. Welcome to TC Live presented by Geico, our two-hour pregame show to get you ready for all the action every day down under. On a Monday in Melbourne, the quarterfinal spots get completed. So who's headed to the Elite Eight? We've got three Americans in action today. Danielle Collins hoping to join Madison Keys and Jesse Pagula in the quarters. Can Maxime Cressy pull off his biggest upset yet against Daniil Medvedev? And junior foes Taylor Fritz and Stefano Tsitsipas renew their rivalry. Plus, the Sabalenka serve show and Simona Halep all coming your way today. So are we. Welcome back into our studios in Santa Monica. Steve Weissman alongside my friends, the Hall of Famer Martina Navratilova, Hall of Famer Lindsey Davenport <laughs> from 60 Minutes in Sports Illustrated, John Wertheim. Great to have you all here for week two yes. in Melbourne. Uh, a lot to get to today. The final quarterfinal spots, some big matchups to preview. But first, Martina, what's on your mind? Well, I'm going macro uh, on this issue. We have two players from countries that never won a junior match. Girls from Iran and Kenya, they won their free matches. Shows how international tennis truly is. And on that front, uh, sports has always been a, kind of on the forefront of social issues, pushing them forward. And we are going backwards, I feel. We, we've had the issue with Peng Shuai. Where is Peng Shuai? And now there were fans at the tournament uh, watching Naomi Osaka practice. They weren't even on the main court. They had Where is Peng Shuai on their T-shirt, and they were told to cover it up. And there, that there's an Australian Open issued a proclamation that that's just not acceptable. I find it really, really cowardly. This is not a political statement. This is a human rights statement. And chances are Peng Shuai may be playing here, but couldn't get out of the country or anyway I, I think they're wrong on this coming in hot uh, I, I like it I, I totally agree and when we watch these matches you will note the Chinese signage uh, at the Australian Open which some might suspect has a lot to do with this beyond political speech if, if where is Peng Shui's political speech we've just gone down the slippery slope I can tell you I have sources telling me that Steve Simon from the WTA he had wanted, by the end of this tournament, some sort of clarity on China and what was going to happen to these fall events. The Chinese tournaments have asked for more time. Let's do this after the Olympics. Let's see how the Olympics play out. I do think by the end of February we will have a decision. I was also told, don't be surprised if Peng Shui shows up 
as some sort of ambassador at the Olympics in February, which obviously would, would be uh, draw your own conclusions about her, her health and her well-being. But this this issue is not going anywhere. No. It was overshadowed a little bit by Novak Djokovic and the saga of the first two weeks of the year. But we have not heard the last of this. I mean, this is a player in her mid-30s. We've seen players now playing into their early 40s. We want to see her at the Australian Open. <laughs> I, th- I think I read somewhere it was seven years ago today. She made it into the round of 16 in singles. I, it's just been absolutely heartbreaking to see what has happened. And the WTA was so much good, strong language when this first went down. And unfortunately, the story just seems to just, yep. like, just be quiet. It'll push it in the back. Yeah, but people in tennis, I mean, we, we want to see her. I mean, she was a real part of this tour. But most importantly, we want to know she's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, WTA has been so strong on this issue. I yeah. really commend Steve Simon and Mickey Lawler for taking a strong... And the players, really taking a chance on their pocketbook. Uh, ATP was pretty pretty weak on this. IOC, well, we know where they are. So, uh, with, and, and kind of just really capitulating on this issue from the Aussies, uh, letting Chinese really dictate what they do mm. and their own slam uh, for their own player, the player that has been there before. Uh, yeah, I just find it really weak. This is a story that dates back to November, and Tennis Australia, for the, the folks that had the Where Is Peng Shui shirts they were made to remove, said that they don't allow clothing, banners, or signs that are commercial or political. This and is neither. This is neither, right? I mean, who, who's against Where Is Peng Shui? Like, wh- right. What's the other side to that? Which I've heard that's the justification. At some of the majors, you can't bring a flag. And one of the, the rationale, the, the policy, is that we don't want sort of warring factions or we don't want there to be any sort of violence. There, there's not an anti-Peng Shui side here. Right. Um, I, I think that's, again, we, we have gone down the slippery slope if that is political speech. And I think... We'll see. I mean, I, I personally thought we'd hear more about this at the Australian Open. There's still a week to play. I do think this issue is going to come back at the Olympics. But like you say, Lindsay, her health and safety, which we've mm-hmm. only gotten secondhand or through know. these questionable videos, we don't know. So we'll see. The WTA put morals over money. Tennis Australia, maybe not with taking those shirts off of folks that have Where Is Peng Shui written on them. Something that uh, we certainly want to keep in front of everybody as this tournament moves on. Still to come on the show today, all the highlights and interviews from day seven. John goes on strong on the ever-changing world of Emma Raducanu. And halfway through the Australian Open, we've got the best of the best thus far. Plus, all the highs and lows from a day of upsets. Which stars survived and who is heading home? TC Live at the Australian Open is presented by GEICO. Switch today and see all the ways you can save. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Martina, Lindsay, John, Steve back on TC Live, presented by Geico. Taking a look at our daily schedule, the four of us with you every single day for two hours, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern, leading up to the live tennis on ESPN2 and ESPN+. And Encore covered six hours of it, beginning at 7 a.m. Eastern tomorrow with Brett Haber and Paul Anacone. 
Well, we start with the only former champion left in either draw. Rafa Nadal looking to reach his 14th quarterfinal in Melbourne, playing Adrian Manorino. First set ended with one of the greatest tie breaks you'll ever see, Martina. Only one break point the whole set, and uh, Rafa Nadal was scrambling every which way on this court. He had two set points there. All in all, it took seven point, set points before he finally wins the set. Manorino gets out of this point, getting that ball back. Rafa didn't get to the net. Manorino scrambles, it's a winner on the baseline. This just went on and on. Manorino has a set point now. Really bad drop shot on Rafa. Manorino hits it right back to him. Rafa says, thank you very much, I'll take it. Change ends again, Manorino knows it. He needs to win this first set. He cannot win this match in five sets. He's gotta win every single set. Another set point from Manorino. Again, going for it, and what a shot from Nadal. A lot of time spent on that, but close to the sideline. Lifts to see another one. And here, finally, Rafa gets another set point. Look at the scramble there. Manorino has the whole court. He's in right next to Rafa. Ah! And once Rafa won that first set. One, Look two, at the three, one, two, three. Think <laughs> uh, Good thing he doesn't have any courts on his belt. Anyhow, fired up. And uh, then the set two, set three, both six, two sets. Rafa, I think, relaxed. Manorino looked tired. He was, he was uh, winded. Rafa beats you not just mentally, but physically, because you have to run extra, extra step for on every point, and at the end, a, a, a straightforward victory for Nadal, but that first set was nothing but straightforward. That's the longest tiebreaker of his career. Into the quarterfinals, Nadal. Everybody knows how uh, mental is, is this game, no? It's a, it's a tough one, and after a, uh, that crazy first set, I think, was so important, uh, the break at the beginning of the second. Uh, I think he had been playing uh, some fantastic tennis during the, the whole tournament, winning against uh, amazing players like Karatsev, Hurkacz. Uh, today, the first set had been super difficult. His ball was... Uh, very difficult to control, uh, very flat, very fast. And uh, I am very happy that I survived that, that first set without a doubt. <laughs> 219th career quarterfinal. As we take a look at this list that we show you all the time, 20-20-20, Ralph Nadal now just three wins and nine sets away from becoming the all-time men's major title leader. He says he's playing better on hard courts now than he did at the beginning of his career. Uh, what, where, where is he right now? What does he take from this match? Oh, he's got to be absolutely thrilled to get through now to the quarterfinals. But just the way he's played. I mean, sometimes you watch top players play and you think, oh, they haven't been tested enough or, oh, they've been tested too much and, and maybe they're fatigued. Rafa's had just the right amount where he has a lot of wins now from winning the small tournament before. He's been challenged in some of these matches. He's had to come and, and really raise the level of his play at big moments. You know, it was so funny watching that tiebreak last night. I was sitting there thinking, this is so amazing, this tennis. Doesn't even matter if Rafa wins. Because <laughs> right. you still thought he would win in three sets, right. even if he lost yeah. the tiebreak. Yeah. He's that good, and you know he wasn't going to go away. Um, but he plays that tiebreak first set. Like, it's the most important tiebreak he's ever played. And that's what's so remarkable with watching him play. Do you guys notice the tell there? He gives that off-court interview, and he says, well, credit to Manorino. You know, he beat Karatsev. This guy's walking off the court. He's reciting the draw. If you don't think he knows <laughs> what's at stake, the history, the big 2020 history, the fact that opponents that could be dangerous are now out. I mean, he knows exactly what he needs to do. He's nine sets away, as you say, Steve, from overtaking the all-time lead, and the French Open is next. And the guy who presumably uh, we all thought was going to win this race, his status is unknown. 
Boy, the plot has changed quickly this yeah. first January of 2022. It really has, uh, with team not, not even being an issue. And it doesn't play Roger not here. I mean, the, the skies have really opened up in a good way for, for Rafa. He must be feeling the pressure and the opportunity. Yes, the French Open is his go-to one. But here, he's playing better tennis, as he, as he said, on, on hard courts than ever. The court is fast enough. And, and now he's three away. So, you know, history is, is hard to deal with. <laughs> But what an opportunity, and he, he lives for this. Mm. So, yeah, he, he's not, maybe not the favorite. Still, Medvedev is the favorite, but Rafa's right behind him. He had glowing words after for both Alexander Zverev and Denis Shapovalov. A lot of folks thought it was going to be Zverev and Nadal in the quarterfinals. Well, the three-seed Denis Shapovalov said, no, sir. He had all the answers, John. Yeah, the, the 14th seed. And I, I just, you know, we can talk about this. Uh, how much is this just a career win? I mean, just a tremendous win for Shapovalov. And how much of this is the strangely vacant performance by Zverev, who looked terrific in the first three rounds and just didn't show up yesterday. So Dennis wins the first set. He's, all right, the lefty got hot. Nice set of tennis. Now we'll regress to the mean. And Zverev, you can see, up 5-3. He's going to claw back into this and make a match of it. These guys will push each other around. And Zverev played a really, really loose game. Look at Dennis get in. Very nice angle volley there. And suddenly he steals this second set. Uh, he had a losing record against Zverev. He played a lot more tennis. Should have been more tired, especially on a hot day. We've been talking about Zverev's volleys this week. That's not going to get it done. Nice pass from Dennis. He served better. He returned better. He had 35 winners to Zverev only 18. And again, I mean, I, I'm hard-pressed to think of a better win for Dennis Shapovalov. Midweek of a slam, best of five against a guy who's thirded, you know, seeded third and is the second highest ranked player in the draw. Great win, but boy, Zverev, what a strange, strange performance. Start to finish. Dennis Shapovalov moving on. I'm definitely expecting a long, long battle out there. Uh, obviously, he makes he makes you play a lot. His defense is very good. Uh, he's he's very good at what he does, you know. So, I'm gonna have to try to play my game, take it to him, and uh, keep keep doing what I've been doing, playing patient, fighting for every point, and uh, and just just you know picking my spots to to play aggressively. So Rafa going for that 21st major title. He now has 21 straight wins against fellow lefties, but the last one to beat him, guess who? Oh, Denis Shapovalov. Back in 2017. 18-3, Rafa is against those three other players. Think he might be a favorite to get to the seven? A little bit. On the women's side, how about Jessie Pagula trying to match her quarterfinal run last year? The American hadn't beaten a top 10 player until the fourth round last year, Martina, going for number eight since then against Maria Sakari. Jessica Pagula just the most uh, really solid performance. Her flat shots bothered Sakari. She takes those big swings. On the other hand, uh, Jessica, very consistent with her ground strokes. Much better technique for this. 28 winners, 17 on four stairs. Maria Sakari, 11 of 32 on second serve. Jessica attacked that second serve really well and never let, let off the gas. Kept Sakari guessing and uh, moved her around the court right there on the left front. He showed it. Pagula was controlling in the middle of the court and it played off beautifully for her. Got some revenge for Miami last year when she had those six match points, could not finish it. So Jesse Pagula gets the victory. You think about this last year, unseated, ranked 60 in the world. Now back into the quarterfinals, and she could get inside the top 10. Uh, what's wow. the biggest improvement you've seen from Jesse Pagula? Everything. <laughs> Look at her game. <laughs> if you were to compare Pagula from last year or this year to about 
three, four years ago, everything's improved. The, the biggest thing, though, are movement and being healthy has allowed her to train even harder. It's allowed her to get in and out of the corners a little better. These fast, hard courts are her best surface. She's got those shorter take backs. She hits the ball hard, flat. It stays low, and it's really skidding through the court in Melbourne. So this is the tournament where, in terms of slams, this is her best chance. She's played well and backed it up. That's not easy to do when you're coming back to your biggest year ever and having to defend those points. She's done a sensational job starting off here in Australia. But the fitness, too. I mean, this was a hot day yesterday, and she was by far the fresher player. against a player we, we think of as being very in shape and, and very physical. I also think, you know, we joke a lot about the Buffalo Bills, and they tip off tomorrow at 11. She'll arrange her practice schedule so she can watch <laughs> her team play. But I, I wonder if there isn't some psychic value. To, I, mean, I don't want to overstate it, but I, I wonder if there isn't some psychic value to being associated with a, a you know, an ascending pro football team back home, and if that doesn't play off each other. Good good vibes all around. I think David Witt has brought not just the technique and tactics, but having been there for so many years with Venus Williams, he really brings that mentality of what it takes to, to win and not be, not be cowed by, by the uh, opportunity, by the occasion. And I think that's where he really calmed her down, gave her the confidence. And, of course, you cannot do any of that unless you're in, you're in fit, unless you're in shape. And that's really that's such a springboard and has been one for her as well. She had the best season of all American women last year. Didn't really show in the rankings. Right. Now with this win, live rankings, top-ranked American. We'll see what happens. Other folks could pass her. But still, Jesse Pagula has earned her spot where she's at right now. Who will she face in the quarterfinals? Ash Barty just four wins away from ending that Aussie drought at home. Lindsay rematch from the Roland Garros semifinals three years ago against Amanda Anasimova. This one not quite as wild. No, and it looked like Anna Samova maybe just a little fatigued from that long emotional victory over Osaka in her previous match. And Barty's just been all business and using all her shots. Serve plus forehand has been working great for her. She mixes in the slice backhand and kept Anna Samova, Anna Samova off balance. But here the streak was broken. Finally, one for five on break points. Anna Samova able to break her serve. What was it? 63. Holds in a row from Barty. But what was amazing, Steve, is that didn't face Barty in the least. Gets down love two. Reels off six of the next seven games to get through pretty comfortably in this match. This could have been a danger match, and Barty made sure that it wasn't. And Anna Samova, a few more errors than what we've seen. She's just tired in the legs. But what a phenomenal start to the year for Anna Samova. She will build on this, but Barty, her dream is still alive. Seven aces, 23 winners, won 12 of the last 14 points, and is looking ahead to face another American. Each, each, I mean, each and every player is different. Um, each and every player, they, there are some similarities, um, but certainly tactics and, and the way that I want to play is unique to each and every player, and I try and adapt my game as best as I can um, to try and make my opponent uncomfortable, and that'll be no different when, when Jess and I play in a couple of days' time. I'm, my job is to try and make her uncomfortable, and, and hopefully I can execute that, um, have some fun with it, and, and make, uh, make life difficult for her. So here we see it. Ash Barty, Jesse Pagula, big-time quarterfinal. And then at the bottom, Barbara Krejcikova and Madison Keys. But, Martina, what do you think of the matchup with Pagula and Barty from what you've seen? Well, look, Jessica, her pressure was defending points from last year. She's done that. Now everything is gravy. 
absolutely no pressure on her whatsoever against Ash Barty, and she's going to be feeling it because she's a big favorite to win the whole thing, and of course now in the quarter. So, uh, the, if, if Jessica plays like that, hitting the ball flat and low, uh, not not giving Ash that much time to run around her forehand, she's got to stay away from the forehand. That's trickier, but she can do it by going to the forehand and then the back end. But I think she's got a shot at it. Yeah. Did we give Pagula enough credit for pitching the shutout in the tiebreaker? 7-0. Um, no, I think, you know, I mean, I, we all admire Barty. We have great admiration for her versatility. At this event, it's been the second week recently where she has stumbled. She's looked terrific for four or five mm-hmm. rounds in the past, and she's had these, these second-week hiccups. So if the moment gets to her, if yep. the crowd gets to her, I think this is a real opportunity for, for Jesse Pagula. Yeah, you just never know when that moment comes. I mean, we were shocked a couple of years ago when it was out of nowhere, Kennan in the mm-hmm. semis for Barty, and then last year, Mahova in the quarterfinals. It, it's just been tough when you want something that bad and you kind of feel that pressure. Sometimes your best tennis doesn't come through. I mean, if you listen to her impress, she has taken all the pressure off herself or trying to and giving great answers but it's going to hit at some point can she play her way through it is really the question but can we we just I want to get Martina's take on Zverev how surprised were you on that flat as a pancake that's what I thought too and and he he choked serving for the set in the second set he turned it around was down set and break comes back 5-3 5-15 love bam couple double faults and just yeah he shanked a bunch of forehands in the at the end of that set, and, and, and he's losing it as well mentally. I mean, all that hard work. Well, that racket is a Picasso. <laughs> <laughs> so just the just, attitude more than anything. Yeah. And, and he just looked flat. How can he be flat at that point? Right? He was some people's favorite to win, and we had so much hope. But you look back, he's 24, going to be 25 in April. Three semis and one Grand Slam final. So doing okay, but still just can't play his best tennis consistently at majors. I, we really thought he was a chance to... To win the title. Should be easier three out of five than, yeah. than the other way around. The record, four and 15 against top 20 players in majors. Crazy. Big time events? Yeah. Doesn't step up. A uh, lot more to get to here on TC Live. We saw Jesse Pagula move on. Well, the Americans looking to double up down under with Madison Keys trying to get a big victory as well as we say farewell to Sasha Zvera. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back on TC Live, Victoria Azarenka, the last former champ on the women's side. But there is only one player who has ever beaten Barbora Krejcikova in singles at the Australian Open. And John, Ekaterina Alexandrova is not walking through that door. <laughs> like Rick Pitino. Uh Still in the doubles, too, Krejcikova. Good for her. We thought this match would be a lot closer. And what we see here is one player just really coming into her own as this vulnerable seated player. All credit to Krejcikova. This was not uh, top Vika. You saw the, the swing and the miss. Uh, just never really got it going. We, we are nine years removed from her Australian Open title. It's a real credit that she's still playing to the middle weekend. But uh, Victoria Azarenka just didn't have it. Took some treatment for what looked to be 
a neck injury, but this was all Krajikovic. 23 winners, only 12 unforced errors, 84 minutes, two and two. That's a very nice way to advance to week two. That's Ranka now, two and 17 against top five players at majors. So kind of like Zvera, but for Krajikova, listen, she had never been past the second round here. Now she has won 18 of her last 20 matches at majors. How? She's like a completely different human being from a year ago. I mean, she, she believed she got a good coach. She did all the work, but it really just happened so quickly. And she's been doing it on double score for many years. But uh, she is just a complete package, really. And she has such belief now. Where it came from, I don't know, but she has it. <laughs> yeah, I was a little bit surprised, a little bit like Zverev with Azarenka. And, yes, maybe she was hurt. Maybe that affected her more than we know. But I thought she was on a mission here, and she looked to be playing so well. I really thought she was going to pressure Krejcikova a little bit more and really make a run here at this title. You don't want to underestimate Krejcikova with her variety. But on these fast courts, I really thought Azarenka was going to push her more. Yep. Didn't happen on this day. So who will Barbora Krejcikova face in the quarterfinals? Madison Keys hasn't made a major since 2018. And guess what they did? They gave her some bulletin board <laughs> material. What the Australian that? host broadcasters oh. put up Paula Bedosa through to the quarterfinal. This was before the match took place, Lindsay. Hold your horses. Right. Come on. Have you seen Maddie Keys play in 2022? <laughs> Come on. Maddie with a great start to this match. And after a tough third-round match against Wong, Maddie ready to go in this one. And Bedosa as well. She had a tough match against Kostchuk, and it showed today a little bit rusty. And Madison, with her power, took the play out of Bedosa's hand. And Bedosa just didn't know what to do in this match, wasn't able to get into the rallies, wasn't able to handle the pace of Keys. 26-10 on winners. Madison Keys earned herself 16 break points in this match. At times, the return can be a problem for Keys. It hasn't been in Australia this year. Able to break five times. And this was much easier than I think we all thought it was going to be. Keys end up winning the last five games. Now 10-1 and one this year. So, Maddie, what's been the difference? Uh, my biggest mindset change is just trying to enjoy tennis and take some of that just internal pressure that I was putting on myself. And it was really, it was honestly, it was freezing me. And I felt like I couldn't play at all. And um, just taking that away and putting tennis into perspective that it's a sport. And it's something that when I was little, I enjoyed doing and I loved doing it. And I was letting it become this dark cloud over me and just trying to push all of that away and leave that behind in last year and start fresh this year. Very introspective. Learned a lot there from Madison as we take a look at what she is able to accomplish. Eighth career Grand Slam quarterfinal now. That was her 20th win over a top 10 player. Just her fourth at a major. And almost her total. All wins from last year. Uh, Maddie also said that Barbora Krejcikova is making tennis look easy. So how can Maddie make it difficult for her in this quarterfinal? Keep that mindset of feeling how you how you did when you were a kid. You know, you just enjoy the sport. Uh, kids don't feel pressure because they're like in the moment. They're like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> and she regained that uh, that feeling. And she needs to keep that to keep that pressure away. And that allows her to swing freely. She can overpower Krejcikova, but Krejcikova takes you out of your rhythm. So we'll see who prevails on that one. Even on the highlights we show, you can see that pace with the naked mm -hmm. eye. I mean, apparently yesterday, Bedosa was looking at the, the miles per hour saying, boy, boy, these returns are coming back awful fast. Maybe I'm, oh, I'm, I'm hitting him as hard as I usually do. They're just 
coming back really hard. If she can sustain that level of pressure, not just with pace, but with depth as well. Again, we show four clips, and you can see that she's hitting the ball multiples higher than her opponent. If she can keep that up, go a long way here. Yeah, I mean, we always know Maddie's pace. She averages so high for especially the WTA, but a lot of times you can kind of match her against some of the ATP players with their average pace. But she got to Melbourne a couple weeks ago. She started the very first tournament of the year. That first week played a 250 event. And I remember her texting me saying, yes, the courts are fast again. So you combine her pace with yeah. fast courts. That is exactly what she wants. She feels like she could take the racket out of her opponent's hands. When she is finding her range, she has her range right now. The balls are not flying out on her. She's building points. It's a perfect storm for her to play her best tennis. Yeah. yeah, in a good way. Exactly. Can I ask you, I mean, Steve, you picked this up. Those were really candid remarks, I thought, yeah. about, about pressure and about how she's felt stifled. What, what do you make of those? Well, it's amazing that she's speaking so openly about it. And, and for some of us, we knew what was going on last year, a very tough time. I think that we are quick to judge. And all of a sudden, Naomi Osaka coming forward and speaking about it, I think the players feel more comfortable being open about it because yep. this has gone on for a long time. A lot of players have kind of struggled with, could be defending points or how they perceive themselves. But now all of a sudden realizing, like, it's okay to struggle. You know, it's it's we see it with, with some of your rivals out on tour. Um, and she's kind of reached this on her own. You know, she's been talking to a lot of different people and kind of reached this... It's been amazing, a transformation for her. Talking about pressure takes the pressure off. That's what they're learning. She's got the foundation kindness wins, fast courts, the pace, that mindset. Maddie Keys can go a long way in Melbourne. Back to the men we go. Matteo Berrettini aiming to complete the set of quarterfinal appearances at the Slams. Got his first straight sets win of the tournament, Martina, against Pablo Carina Busta. Came at a great time. Carina Busta could not hurt uh, Berrettini. One BP for PCB. One break point for Busta the whole match. <laughs> and Berrettini just really allowed him to go for more on his shots. 28 aces, serving 77% for servicing. Going for broke. Just really dominated. This match was not as close as the score indicates, really. Berrettini really dominating every aspect and uh, getting the win in straight sets. And he really moved uh, Karina Busta around. Just Karina Busta didn't really have anything to hurt him with. Berrettini, first Italian man ever to get to the quarterfinals of all majors. Well done. That is a big deal. So Matteo Berrettini is moving on. Who will he meet in the final eight? How about the Frenchman? Gal Malfice still hasn't dropped a set, John. Was locked in an early battle with Miamir Ketsmanovic. Has Gal Malfice ever played better? Serious question. I mean, we, we, uh, we, we know about his marriage off court. How, how about the marriage of substance and style? We, we always knew we were going to get flashy winners, but he's really sort of backed that up. There is his spouse, Alina Svitolina. I think he may move past her in... Uh, in rankings now, not that anyone's counting, but he, he's just been terrific. And now finds himself in the second week of 35 years old, and is still bringing this level of passion, this level of athleticism. This could have been a tricky match against a young Serbian player, and he just sort of took, took the racket out of his hands. Again, the winners are fun. We all enjoy watching him play, but he is also backing that up with much cleaner tennis than we're accustomed to, more winners and errors, and... Uh, very nice win into round two. I don't know. Maybe we should even be talking about him as a, dare I say, contender? Maybe? Why not? Gem's life is fantastic, and Gal Malfis is into the quarters. Look, Quadzilla action. The Aussie surf bots. <laughs> <laughs> is that? 
<laughs> what is that? That's right. Okay, I'd rather not talk big rackets as well. Mm. All right. Casey Live. More of it. Big time. Next. <laughs> TC Live at the Australian Open is brought to you in part by DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, and new customers can bet $1 and win $100 if any point is won. Plus, all customers can play for thousands every day in DraftKings free-to-play pools. Use code ACE. And by Tennis Express. We deliver tennis right to your front door. Order today, ships today. Welcome back to TC Live. I'm Steve Weissman. Before going to Paris last year, Barbora Krejcikova had played nine major singles matches. Since then, she's won double that amount. A lot of dubs for a player who's also the top seed in doubles this year. You can find stories like that on Tennis.com, your online source for everything to follow our sport. Right now, Jordan Sanford writes about Daniil Medvedev handing out relationship advice. And John Burcock has the stat of the day. For today's forecast, here's Fox Weather. Hi, everybody. I'm meteorologist Amy Fries, and here's today's forecast for the Australian Open. It's another hot one in Melbourne, partly sunny today, going up to 92 degrees, so stay hydrated. Precise, personal, powerful. Go to foxweather.com to download the app and watch us now. Thanks so much. Still to come, despite a second-round defeat, Amaratikanu is still winning over the tennis world. Our experts on what to expect from the teenage sensation in 2022. Back on TC Live, presented by GEICO. At the U.S. Open last year, Emma Raducanu went from hoping to replace a lost pair of AirPods to finding new fame, with millions of followers singing her praise in surround sound. As John Wertheim reports, the first qualifier to win a Grand Slam now has major expectations. Call it the Great British Breakthrough, and then call it one of the great and most unlikely tennis stories of this generation, or any really. From Great Britain, Emma Raducanu. Last August, Emma Raducanu, then 18, qualified for the 2021 U.S. Open. What an achievement, right? Uh, yeah. She then reeled off seven main draw matches to take the title. Suddenly, Emma Raducanu, who started the event ranked outside the top 100, had done what Sasha Zverev, Stefano Tsitsipas, Karolina Pliskova, Madison Keys, and hundreds of other more experienced players had never done. She won a major singles title. If her ranking and place in the game was suddenly altered beyond recognition, so was her profile. Last August, she was playing a small event in Landisville, Pennsylvania. Last September, she was at the Met Gala. And as a Canadian-born, British-raised daughter of a Chinese mother and Romanian father, Radicanu became an emblem for globalization and for Gen Z. And brands took note. By year's end, she was a face of Tiffany's, Evian, Dior, British Airways. The question now is, now what? She changed coaches, and she has endured attention, both in the media and on social media, usually befitting an A-list celebrity. Hello, world. 
She starts 2022 as something akin to a defending champion, as the winner of the previous major. She is now ranked in the top 20, and as Serena Williams was often fond of saying, the hunter has become the hunted. It's a lot to process, a lot of change and turmoil, happy turmoil, for a player who still doesn't turn 20 until November. It's all part of a journey that already has a trajectory all its own. Well, this is what she did last year and since then. Five top 50 wins at the U.S. Open, three and five since, average rank of the opponent in defeat, 68. Her world has changed completely, Martina. How do you think she's handled it? You know, this is all new. This has never been done before. There's a reason for that. Usually people have to take it step by step. She just thought, she took the elevator to the top. <laughs> so it's, it's a whole new ball game, and there's no right or wrong way to go about it. She just needs to not take too much pressure on because there really shouldn't be any and just think long term don't worry too much about today rather just think what what can I do to get better but think long term not right now what's happening because it would be overwhelming and say no a lot Mm -hmm. learn to say no it's a real balance right I mean party wants to say listen game over you won you're wealthy for life you've won a major no pressure and you also want to say well how how are you going to build on this I think in a weird way, this was really a big tournament for her. She beat another former U.S. Open champion in Sloane Stevens. She had some blister issue, couldn't get through her second-round match, played it out but was defeated. I think in a weird way, she comes out of this Australia trip with some confidence. But, you know, we'll see. I mean, she's obviously she's defending 2,040 points at the U.S. Open, not just the champion's points, but 40 additional points for qualifying. Um, the flip side is she's not defending a lot for the next six months. So it will be, it will be an interesting year. She does seem to have a real head on her shoulders. And uh, I think that's a source of optimism. Yeah. I mean, it's remarkable. You look back, I mean, she won a major with a game that has not been perfected yet. (laughs) She said it herself, uh, you know, she was a full-time student. She was locked down for a while with COVID. um, But her game caught fire just when she wanted it to the most. Uh, it's going to take her a little while. She's got a great game. She's going to keep improving. She's getting used to these scenarios. Her life has changed. We all say that. But if you look at her and how she plays, she's got that base. She's got that footwork. That's always going to be there. She's going to get stronger. She's going to improve other things. She's going to have a wonderful career. It might be in 2023 or 2024. This is a learning year for her. We'll all cut her some slack. And, and let's let's really look at her and her results, I, I believe, in another two years. Yeah, I mean, she didn't play her first tournament last year until June and, and lost her first <laughs> right. match to Harriet Dart, a, a fellow Brit, right. in straight sets. Listen, right now, still 19 years old, and as, to John's point, has opportunities to pick up a ton of points in the winter and in the spring. If you're her coach, Torben Belts, yeah. what are you focusing on? You're focusing on the long term, just like Martina said. When you come from a country that has a major and you know that there's eight wild cards going the main draw and your federation doesn't really want to give you one, that, that gives you a sense of how far off the radar she was in June for the LTA. I mean, there was people in there in the LTA saying, no, I, I don't think she deserves it. I don't think we should give her one. She ended up getting the round of 16 and winning the U.S. Open three months later. But that's how much it's got everybody by storm, including her own federation. Torben Belts is a great experienced coach. He's going to work on the long term. And anyone who's dealing with Emma right now, nobody's worried about what happens in the Middle East in February or Miami in March. They're worried about her getting stronger, taking training blocks, getting used to other players' games. 
um, I think working on the serve and working on a little bit more consistency from the back of the court if you're going to look at it from X's mm, and O's. Yeah. Uh, I have to think long term, and uh, I've had my train of thought. Uh, right, the pressure is off in a way because the pressure was on when she didn't have any money. She couldn't get the wild cards. She took opportunity by the throat and said, okay, I'm taking it. So she got to the round of 16 at Wimbledon, made the yeah. second week out of nowhere, and then she wins the US Open really out of nowhere. So now the pressure's off. She's got the money. She can realize that the best coaching and take your time. Right. Can, we, can we pat tennis on the back a little bit here? I mean, I feel like this is a real evolution of the sport that, you know, I mean, you three of us, we all four of us, we remember that, you know, Teenage phenoms and Jennifer Capriani. We have a number one player who basically took a gap year, took a sabbatical, and said, I'm not touching a racket. We've got, you know, Barbara Krajikova basically mid career decides to move from doubles to give this single, single wax. Serena Williams was playing at 40. I feel like we've really elongated sort of the same. And if, if it takes her two, three, four years for this concrete that's been poured to take that to Harden, it's all good. There's no sort of compressed pressure anymore, and I think that's a real credit to tennis. Yeah, t- take that pressure off. And by the way, for the top five earners on the women's side, tennis players, you win. I mean, Emma's getting, getting paid right now, so that's also a great thing worldwide. I mean, she is the face of these brands worldwide. A lot still to get to here on TC Live. Take a look at what is still to come. We've got the best of the best. Love that. From the first half of the Australian Open. Uh, getting warm and fuzzy with Amanda Anasimova. And our guest today, our first two-time guest, Mark Petchy, The Oracle of Tennis Channel. Find out why. Welcome back to TC Live, day eight of the Australian Open. Who's going to punch their ticket to the quarterfinals? Can Danielle Collins join Madison Keys and Jesse Pagula there? How about Maxine Cressy? Can he pull off the upset against the top-ranked guy on the men's side, Daniil Medvedev, Simona Halep taking on Alize Cornet, Arena Sabalenka and her serve against Kaya Kanepi. And then the top-ranked American, Taylor Fritz, taking on Stefanos Tsitsipas. As we welcome you back into our studio, Steve Weissman, Lindsay Davenport, and we've got our first two-time guest on this year's <laughs> Australian Open TC Live, our own Mark Petchy yes. joining us once again. Great to have you, Petch, the legend, our friend, our colleague, soothsayer as well. We'll get to why Petch is an oracle. Uh, but first, let's talk about some matches that we saw yesterday, including Rafa Nadal. Uh, he's the last former champion remaining. How about that first set tiebreak? Have you ever seen anything like that? Honestly, I haven't. I mean, we were all just sitting around watching and it kind of got to the break and we thought this is where Rafa's going to accelerate away. But a massive kudos to Manorino yesterday. I thought he played some of the best tennis I've seen. I didn't think he had enough power to hurt Rafa in these conditions, but he certainly did in that opening set. But as Adrian said afterwards, you know, that little extra, you've got some greatness next to you, Steve. And in, in those great moments, these players are able to do something that simply other players aren't. A couple of those forehands and the backhand pass from Rafa in that breaker was simply out of this world. Okay, Stefano Sitsipas plays Taylor Fritz later today. That's kind of the match of the day here for us in the States. What do you think about that one? And have you liked what you've seen from both of those two so far? Lindsay, it's a great question. Steph's changed his strings, Harry. He's got some gut in the crosses now because of the elbow problem that he had last year. And I think he's still struggling just to find 
the rhythm. He's got a much flatter forehand at the moment here in Australia than he did with the all-poly setup. And the ball's flying him at a little bit. The net's a little bit more in play for him. I thought he was a bit scratchy against Benoit, to be honest. Taylor has been using his forehand a lot more in 2022 than he did last year, and he still had a great season last year. I'm actually picking Taylor for the upset there. Okay, you're picking Taylor Fritz to take down Stefano Tsitsipas. You picked the other day, Daniil Medvedev was your guy to win on the men's side. He's still in it. What has impressed you the most from his first three matches? And can Maxime Cressy, the other American man, give him a challenge today? Well, Maxime Cressy has the one thing that you have to say that could cause a little bit of a problem for Medvedev is the serve and volley. We saw Novak implement it beautifully last year in the Paris Masters final. He went back and did some homework after the U.S. Open did the world number one. And he served and volleyed beautifully. Cressy has that in his locker, as we know, in an abundance. The only thing is, is it a little too predictable against a guy like Medvedev when you're doing it as often as he is? But you've got to come with something new. You've got to come with something different. And if you don't, Medvedev's going to take care of you pretty comfortably, as we've seen in Melbourne. So I actually think that that match will be a little bit tighter. Obviously, feel as though the Russian's going to get through. And is he still your favorite to win the title, Medvedev, on the men's side? He is. I mean, as well as Raf has played uh, and all the other players that are in, uh, Monfils making that lovely fairy tale run. We always get one, don't we? And Monfils is making it on the top part of that men's section. I, I just think he's too solid. I just think he's he's in everybody's uh, return games. Um, and obviously with his serve, the way that he puts it down, Lindsay, he's, he's rolling through those rapidly. There's an awful lot of pressure that accumulates in a Medvedev match for an opponent. And I think that from that point of view and the fact that he obviously won in New York, he knows how to get over the finishing line is a huge plus. Well, and your favorite on the women's side. And credit to you, Pedge, because you picked this at before the tournament started. Madison Keys to win the women's title. She has looked so good throughout. One thing that I was impressed with, the win against Bedosa was sensational. For me, the win against Wang, when she didn't play her best tennis and she still managed to figure out a way to win, that all, hasn't always been a strength of hers. You're there in Melbourne. What have you liked from Madison so far in this tournament? Lindsay, absolutely that. You know, when, when Madison plays her best, you know, she makes the game incredibly simple because she, that you know, it doesn't matter what tactics you bring, she takes the racket out of your hand. And you know that better than I do. You've worked with her. And when you watch her play and you watch the fact that you feel as though she's just somehow managed to infuse a little bit of safety when things aren't going well for her, I think that's why I was so excited about it. The balls here are getting a little fluffy as well. And I feel as though there's a two-game window when you change them for Madison that actually counterintuitively are probably her most dangerous games in the match. But the moment she gets through that, I kind of feel the ball's not flying on her here so that she's going to keep it in play. And with the huge firepower she possesses off the return and the ground, it's pretty tough for her opponents to actually get any rhythm. Yeah, and you deal with just her, her speeds. It's been, they've always been off the charts. In Australia, though, she's finding that range of finding the speeds but also finding the court. This was interesting, Pet. You, you brought this to our attention, the, her average higher than the ATP top 50 average. It's, it's pretty impressive when you look at that, isn't it? I mean, the backhand pace is incredible, 77. You don't see a lot of guys up at 77, but 79. And as you say, Lindsay, yesterday, she was, she was unplayable in those conditions. Bedosa is somebody that's going to make you work hard. She's plugged in every single point. You know, she, as I said, she makes the game, the game incredibly simple. She only has to worry, Madison, about her side of the court 
when she's playing like that against somebody who I have so much respect for in Bedosa. She just made her look very much second fiddle out there. And, and if she can hold it together, if she can believe in herself all the way through, I do feel as though my prediction is going to come true on Saturday. <laughs> Still picking Madison Keys to win it all. Uh, are we not talking about Yannick Sinner enough? He, he's taken on Alex Dimonor today, but he's kind of been under the radar playing some spectacular tennis. Steve, great question, and probably so, yeah. I mean, again, another guy um, that hits so big off both sides, he can hurt you with your backhand, and anyone that can hurt you with duality is going to be a problem for anyone, and that's going to be the big challenge for Alex here. Great speed, great footwork for the Australian home crowd support. Um, it's been great for him as well. Um, but Yannick can take the racket out of your hands, and, and he's built some nice momentum going through this tournament, no question about that. He's actually, if you look at his numbers, Steve, as well, He's making more forays into the net. He's finding ways to actually finish at the net, and he's actually extended a lot of the points. He's also a bit like Madison, finding the, the fact is if you can keep the ball in the court, you've got a better <laughs> chance of winning it. And, and that, it, it, it doesn't sound that complicated, does it? It's funny how that works so out, good. right? Just so good. Keep the ball in the court. <laughs> I needed that. Where was that when I was playing, Patch? Come on. <laughs> I, I hit it in, but it was too soft, and they all just flew past me. <laughs> the, the omniscient one himself, Mark Pecci. Uh, I am actually surrounded by greatness. Got Lindsay here, got Pecci over there. Uh, thanks for joining us again. Picking Taylor Fritz today and still going with Madison Keys and Daniil Medvedev as the winners in Australia. Stay safe out there. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Steve. Thanks. All right, that's always a good time. Keep an eye out. Taylor Fritz taking out Stefano Sitsipas today. Back with more TC Live after this. Lindsay Martina, John Steve back on TC Live presented by Geico. It's our dub segment. There will be a new champ because Barbora Krejcikova is not playing. So Sam Stozer teaming up with Matthew Ebden. They lost in the final... Lindsay to Krejcikova and Rajiv Ram last year. Right here playing Asia Muhammad and Fabrice Martin. Stozer, Ebden, taking this first set. Want to see a deciding point forehand? See ya! (laughs) (laughs) And with that, Stozer and Ebden win the first set 6-2. Sam Stozer retired from singles after her second round loss in the women's singles at the Australian Open, but she's going to keep playing doubles and mix. And what a great match this was. The fans were so involved, but the Aussies able to pull through. They saved all three break points in this match. Sam Stoser, not in the singles anymore, not in the doubles anymore, but she is alive in the mixed. Got to the final last year looking to take the title this year as we take a look at the top half of the draw. And how about Sonia Mirza? Has called to quits. This is going to be her last year retiring. She's teaming up with Rajiv Ram, who won the title last year with Krejcikova. And they are into the quarterfinals. Good stuff. Uh, looking at Sam Stoser, who is playing. <laughs> yes. Excited? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I, it would be such an amazing story for her to win the mixed doubles. I mean, she's, uh, she's done it here before in doubles, but it would be a fantastic uh, fairy tale story, she, which may actually make her want to retire and not play anymore because it's like it's as good as it gets, right? Finish on a winning note. I feel like Steve and I should take this segment off. Uh, all, <laughs> all modesty aside, we are major the doubles exactly. champions. You know yeah. what's going? We are in the presence you. of uh, major doubles champions. You two Some of the also best. Uh, were able to do what not a lot of players do. The number one seed in the women's draw does do. 
But you were able to play women's doubles and women's singles. And the mixed doubles. How else to Lindsay and mixed? You we played three, lower three Martina standards by putting me in the same sentence with her as no, far no, as the yeah, doubles yeah, accomplishments. You won, you won them all. Wait, when did you, when did you lose and mix? 96 oh. in the quarters, I remember. Who were you court with? One. Or was she Yo, with? Court one. Uh, I played with, um, God, I can't remember right now. Horrible with names. That's why you lost, because um, no, 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 no. it was all you. Um... <laughs> <laughs> not by this one. I think you've got no, the you. No, you guys won like 7-6-7-6 or something. But you no, hmm. I don't think that's accurate. Two Hall of Fame doubles players, though. <laughs> Major title winner. It, I mean, was, you, really... it was you. <laughs> it was you. It was you. It's all your fault. All right, we'll Google it. We'll get Huska to Google yeah, it. 96. Check this out. And uh, we've got some more highlights while we wait. How about this one? On the men's side. You play with Pat Goldberg. Bolini and Fonini, they're the 2015 champs. Uh, they beat the nine seeds, Melo and Dodo, in the second round, now looking to knock off the eight seeds, Jamie Murray, Bruno Suarez. John, for the second time in two weeks, they just beat them in Sydney. This is, uh, this is a nice Patrick team of Italians, two guys combined age of 70. And, you know, we all know Fabio Fonini from his singles. He actually has a higher career ranking in doubles, seven, than he does in singles, nine. But this is uh, good stuff here. As you say, Steve, Second match in a row that these Italians unseated have played former major champions. It was Melo and Dodig uh, in the second round now. Here in the third, they get Jamie Murray and Bruno, age 39. And the Italians pull through. Uh, a theme of this week are two really good singles players playing one of these regular teams. Fonini's only major title came here in doubles uh, seven years ago. Look who we got. Now we got the team everyone's talking about. The special case, Nick Kyrgios, Tanasi, Kokonakis. They upset the top seeds, Pavic and Mektic in the second round. They got another win, Martina, and they got the fans on their feet. Yeah, and uh, Nick is playing in a, in, a, in a basketball jersey. I think that's why he does well in doubles. Obviously, he's a great athlete, quick hands and all that. But he wants to be on a team. And I'm surprised he doesn't play more doubles. Uh, Tanasi Kokonakis is also a big hitter. Both guys can do it all on the court, and they get the crowd going. Top spin long. Bye-bye. I don't think this one's coming back. That got them the, uh, they got them the break. Win the first set. On that court, the crowd's supposed to be every other row for 50% capacity. All rules went out the window for this Dallas Martina. What rules? What COVID? Uh, we're good to go here. And in the third set, there was only one break in each set. And uh, the Aussies got a break early here. 3-2 and never look back. I'm going nuts. Yeah, okay, no, definitely not 50%. No. Yeah, 50%. <laughs> <laughs> so makes the poach. Nice. That was a weak chest pump, though. The but wristbands. nice wristbands. <laughs> well done, Tanasi. <laughs> I mean, the rainbow wristbands, I guess they're letting him do that. So, I mean, that would be a more political that's, that's statement political. than worse yeah. than try. But totally. Uh, Nick Harris was asked not to, uh, if it was easy, not easy to pick apart these established doubles team. John, what was his answer? Yeah, what was it? Man, it's pretty easy. Yeah. <laughs> Six four in the third, not pretty easy. But but come on, what, yeah, what, yeah, what second round doubles match would yeah, get that around. kind of like atmosphere? That, that oh, many right. people. It's amazing. Right. right. Okay. Question for you. You say Nick Curios loves the team atmosphere. Is that because the camaraderie he's playing with his buddy, or is that because the pressure is cut in half? No, I think it's the buddy buddy thing. Just really being on a team. I always like playing doubles more than singles for that reason because you get to talk to your partner and you work together as a team. Uh, it's, it's lonely out there playing singles, and I think Nick feels it more than anybody. And he's not going to let a partner down by not exactly. trying or yeah, going right. away. And that's oh, he's all you in. get everything from Nick in that. No. That's why he loves Labor Cup. That's yep. why I love yes, all, all, the, all the team events. Yeah. Uh, I hear you have an answer for I a, was told a the answer. Question. No shock. Martinez correct. Okay. 96. 
I played with Grant Connell. Oh, Grant Connell. That's what they told right. me. And you were playing with Jonathan Stark. Jonathan, I couldn't yeah. remember. We won the year before. <laughs> I'm getting old. I'm losing these names. Thank you, uh, Jonathan. For I'm that. blonde from Seattle. I'm like, sorry, Jonathan. We won the year before, and you beat us in the quarters on the old court once. Track right. research department. That's yep. good. During well, a segment. Good to, get, good to get those answers. By the way, when Sam Snowser won her mixed title in 2005, you made the semis that year with Max Mead. Ah, oh, okay. All right. You know, throwing that out there. There's a beast. Daniil Medvedev. Max Cressy. How is he going to handle that serve and volley from the American? How far will he stand back? Will he be in the third row? Welcome back. Day eight of the Australian Open leading up to first ball. TC Live with you every day for two hours from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern. And then our encore coverage tomorrow. Six hours of coverage with Brett and Paul begins at 7 a.m. Eastern. The DraftKings Sportsbook odds are back. Let's take a look at our match preview today. It's Marin Cilic, former major champion, looking to reach his 14th Grand Slam quarterfinal, taking on Felix Oje Aliasim. John, Felix is favored to win this match. He is 0-3 against Marin Cilic. He played seven sets. Felix has won one. Yeah. Um, that's that's an interesting, you know, I mean, I, I, that's kind of a pick match as far as I'm concerned. Also, we, we've seen this a few times, men and women, of players just kind of arriving flat. So some of this is about X's and O's and matchups and who's going to serve better. But some of this is just if one of these guys doesn't wake up on the right side of the bed, it yeah. uh, could be straight yeah. sets. And, and Felix has had a lot of errors in his game. He's not been steady Eddie. And Chilich, if anything, he will be steady. And he's done well here before. He likes the faster courts. I would, I, I would say it's a 50-50 proposition yeah. at best. Also, Lindsay, the over-under was favored to go over three sets. You agree with that? Oh, God, don't do those questions to me, Steve. You think it'll go four or five sets? Yes. Yeah. All right, I then you agree. It. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Why do you put it that way? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, simple. Yeah. Hey, guess what we have for you today? Uh-oh. Your favorite. The parlay. The parlay! Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, early on in our coverage. Okay, what do we have? Our daily special. So, Daniil Medvedev, Yannick Sinner, and Arena Sabalenka all need to win in straight sets. And 100 bucks gets you 617. No chance. Take the hundred bucks of a nice meal somewhere. That's not so, going to win. Right? Isn't that tough? Somebody's that is tough. Go four or three I like it without the somewhere. straight sets. Yeah, agree. Can we do that? Agree. Can, can we negotiate that down? Um, straight sets. I mean, Sabalenka could have one of those sets we've seen, one of those right. shockers. Demonauer with the crowd behind him could easily get a set. Cressy oh, could maybe hold Molly, serve all like, the way through. Exactly. Win a tiebreak. That's. I would not be spending my hundred bucks on that. Me neither. Right. Yeah, I, I, I'm not taking that you far. Like, oh, okay. You want me to spend your hundred bucks? Yeah. <laughs> I'll happily no. do that. No. Uh, what do you think of that match between Sabalenka and Kanepi? Uh, it's it's ama- amazing. If you you could take both player and, and really spend ten minutes discussing how amazing it is that they're in this round. And Sabalenka, I. I hesitate to say maybe she's worked through some of the Mm. issues. She looked more comfortable with her serve in the last round. She seems to be self-deprecating about it, seems to have accepted it. Uh, I like Sabalenka, but, I mean, Kanepi and a Grand Slam, you just never want (laughs) – seems like you don't want to bet (laughs) against her. Yeah, in a way, for Sabalenka, the pressure's off now that she got to the quarters despite the serving woes. But at the same time, huge favorite now against Kanepi, who is playing, you know – at 35, we didn't think she would still be playing, but playing really good tennis, moving well. So it's a toss-up. I mean, Sabalenka should win, but it all depends on the serve, I think. 
like my favorite story of the tournament, or one of them anyway. I mean, this is this is the number two seed who, in real time, is working out this this mental block. Um, they played once. Kanepi's I think Kanepi's one and zero. I think Kanepi's won their only head-to-head. Um, I you know I mean, who who can pick when when if you're going to have double-figured double faults in, uh, in in sets, it's going to be very hard to win, especially against a veteran player on this surface. On the other hand. Just strictly in, in a vacuum, which we seldom get, the, the number two seed a decade younger than the player she's facing ought to win. Yeah. She's a huge favorite, but she's not. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. A couple well of years ago, even last year, Sabalenka, if you batch up their games, she would do everything just a little bit better. Right? A little mm-hmm. bit more power, can right. hit a little bit bigger shots and the serve, but now you take away the yeah. serve and, I don't know, it's a lot more right even. On the hand. All right, we'll see. None of us are taking the parlay, though. No. So keeping our hundred bucks. Uh, remember... You can be a part of this as well. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. New customers can bet a dollar and win 100 if any point is won. Not in a sportsbook state? Well, download any of the apps and play for thousands every day in DraftKings free-to-play pools. Use that code ACE when you sign up. Even for all of our New York residents, where DraftKings Sportsbook is now available. We still have our warm and fuzzy segment. Michael Costa sits down with Amanda Anasimova. They're talking emojis. We've got our highlights and interviews from day seven. And Serena Williams giving us a little hint as to whether she will be coming back. Can't wait for that. Felix Ojeali-Asim got the joggers on, and he's got like 17 rackets. He is ready to go for his match today. Back on TC Live, presented by GEICO. GEICO presents our 15-second news update as well. How about Matteo Berrettini, the first Italian to reach the quarterfinals in all four majors? Dennis Shapovalov picking up his second career top five victory. And Madison Keys and Jesse Pagula both pull off some upsets to advance to the quarterfinals. Well, the Australian Open has been called the Happy Slam because most players love the vibe down under and are feeling fresh. Speaking of warm and fuzzy feelings, Michael Costa sits down on a set designed with that in mind. Let's do Happy one more beer. felt feeling, then we'll get out of here. Here we go. Pull them up. What do we got? Come on, Amanda, for the big one. Smiley. Smiley. When was the last time you felt that? Every single day. You the happy person generally? Yeah. What's your... What's your strategy for staying happy and can I learn from it making jokes all the time yeah yeah I love making jokes laughing it's the best that's even the key. if your coaches don't appreciate it do, the, do you make do you make jokes when you're playing tennis is that why not when I'm playing now that's serious time yeah that's devil face time yeah <laughs> laughing is the best we have so many of these warm and fuzzy interviews with all your favorite players Head to Tennis Channel's website and the Tennis Channel app to check them out. When we come back, all the top stories on day eight of the Australian Open. Martina, Lindsay, John, Steve back on TC Live, presented by Geico. Taking a look at our daily schedule, the four of us with you every single day for two hours, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern, leading up to the live tennis on ESPN2 and ESPN+. 
and Encore coverage, six hours of it, beginning at 7 a.m. Eastern tomorrow with Brett Haber and Paul Anacone. Well, we start with the only former champion left in either draw. Rafa Nadal looking to reach his 14th quarterfinal in Melbourne, playing Adrian Manorino. First set ended with one of the greatest tie breaks you'll ever see, Martina. Only one break point the whole set, and uh, Rafa Nadal was scrambling every which way on this court. He had two set points there. All in all, it took seven point, set points before he finally wins the set. Manorino gets out of this point, getting that ball back. Rafa didn't get to the net. Manorino scrambles. It's a winner on the baseline. This just went on and on. Manorino has a set point now. Really bad drop shot on Rafa. Manorino hits it right back to him. Rafa says, thank you very much. I'll take it. Change ends again. Manorino knows it. He needs to win this first set. He cannot win this match in five sets. He's got to win every single set. Another set point from Manorino. Again, going for it. And what a shot from Nadal. A lot of time spent on that, but close to the sideline. Lift to see another one. And here, finally, Rafa gets another set point. Look at the scramble there. Monterino has the whole court. He's in right back to Rafa. Ah! And once Rafa won that first set. One, Look two, at the three, one, three, four, five. <laughs> Think good. good thing he doesn't have any colts on his belt. Anyhow, fired up. And uh, then the set two, set three, both six, two sets. Rafa, I think, relaxed. Monterino looked tired. He was, he was uh, winded. Rafa beats you not just mentally, but physically, because you have to run extra, extra step for on every point. And at the end, a, a, a straightforward victory for Nadal. But that first set was nothing but straightforward. Now it's the longest tiebreaker of his career. Into the quarterfinals, Nadal. Everybody knows how uh, mentally is, is this game. No, is is a tough one, and after. Uh, uh, that crazy first set, I think, was so important, uh, the break at the beginning of the second. Uh, I think he had been playing uh, some fantastic tennis during the, the whole tournament, winning against uh, amazing players like Karatsev, Hurkacz. Uh, today, the first set had been super difficult. His ball was uh, very difficult to control, uh, very flat, very fast. And uh, I am very happy that I survived that, that first set, without a doubt. <laughs> 219th career quarterfinal as we take a look at this list that we show you all the time 202020 Rafa Nadal now just three wins and nine sets away from becoming the all-time men's major title leader he says he's playing better on hard courts now than he did at the beginning of his career uh, what where, where is he right now? What does he take from this match? Oh, he's got to be absolutely thrilled to get through now to the quarterfinals. But just the way he's played. I mean, sometimes you watch top players play and you think, oh, they haven't been tested enough or, oh, they've been tested too much and, and maybe they're fatigued. Rafa's had just the right amount where he has a lot of wins now from winning the small tournament before. He's been challenged in some of these matches. He's had to come and, and really raise the level of his play at big moments. You know, it was so funny watching that tiebreak last night. I was sitting there thinking – this is so amazing, this tennis. doesn't even matter if Rafa wins because <laughs> right. he still thought he would win in three sets, right. even if he lost yeah. the tiebreak. Yeah. He's that good, and you know he wasn't going to go away. Um, but he plays that tiebreak, first set, like it's the most important tiebreak he's ever played. Mm -hmm. And that's what's so remarkable with watching him play. Did you guys notice the tell there? He does that off-court interview, and he says, well, credit to Manorino. You know, he beat Karatsev. This guy's walking off the court. He's reciting the draw. If you don't think he knows... <laughs> What's at stake, the history, the big 2020 history, the fact that opponents that could be dangerous are now out. I mean, he knows exactly what 
he needs to do. He's nine sets away, as you say, Steve, from overtaking the all-time lead, and the French Open is next. And the guy who presumably uh, we all thought was going to win this race, his status is unknown. Boy, the plot has changed quickly this yeah. first January of 2022. It, it really has, uh, with team not, not even being an issue. And it doesn't play Roger not here. I mean, the, the skies have really opened up in a good way for, for Rafa. He must be feeling the pressure and the opportunity. Yes, the French Open is his go-to one. But here, he's playing better tennis, as he, as he said, on, on hard courts than ever. The court is fast enough. And, and now he's three away. So, you know, history is, is hard to deal with, but what an opportunity. And he, he lives for this. So, yeah, he, he's not, maybe not the favorite. Still, Medvedev is the favorite, but Rafa's right behind him. He had glowing words after for both Alexander Zverev and Denis Shapovalov. A lot of folks thought it was going to be Zverev and Nadal in the quarterfinals. Well, the three-seed Denis Shapovalov said, no, sir. He had all the answers, John. Yeah, the, the 14th seed. And I, I just, you know, we can talk about this. Uh, how much is this just a career win? I mean, just a tremendous win for Shapovalov. And how much of this is the strangely vacant performance by Zverev, who looked terrific in the first three rounds and just didn't show up yesterday. So Dennis wins the first set. He's all right, the lefty got hot. Nice set of tennis. Now we'll regress to the mean. And Zverev, you can see, up 5-3. He's going to claw back into this and make a match of it. These guys will push each other around. And Zverev played a really really loose game. Look at Dennis get in. Very nice angle volley there. And suddenly he steals this second set. Uh, he had a losing record against Zverev. He played a lot more tennis. Should have been more tired, especially on a hot day. We've been talking about Zverev's volleys this week. That's not going to get it done. Nice pass from Dennis. He served better. He returned better. He had 35 winners to Zverev only 18. And again, I mean, I, I'm hard-pressed to think of a better win for Dennis Shapovalov. Midweek of a slam, best of five against a guy who's thirded, you know, seeded third and is the second highest ranked player in the draw. Great win, but boy, what a strange, strange performance. Start to finish. Dennis Shapovalov moving on. I'm definitely expecting a long, long battle out there. Uh, obviously, he makes he makes you play a lot. His defense is very good. Uh, he's he's very good at what he does, you know. So, I'm gonna have to try to play my game, take it to him, and uh, keep keep doing what I've been doing, playing patient, fighting for every point, and uh, and just just you know picking my spots to to play aggressively. So Rafa going for that 21st major title. He now has 21 straight wins against fellow lefties, but the last one to beat him, guess who? Oh, Denis yeah. Shapovalov. Back in 2017. 18-3, Rafa is against those three other players. Think he might be a favorite to get to the seven? A little bit. On the women's side, how about Jesse Pagula trying to match her quarterfinal run last year? The American hadn't beaten a top ten player until the fourth round last year, Martina, going for number eight since then against Maria Sakari. Jessica Pagula just almost uh, really solid performance. Her flat shots bothered Sakari. She takes those big swings. On the other hand, uh, Jessica, very consistent with her ground strokes. Much better technique for this. 28 winners, 17 on four stairs. Maria Sakari, 11 of 32 on second serves. Jessica attacked that second serve really well and never let let off the gas. Kept Sakari guessing and uh, moved her around the court right there on the match front. He showed it. Pagula was controlling in the middle of the court and it played off beautifully for her. Got some revenge for Miami last year when she had those six match points, could not finish it. So Jesse Pagula gets the victory. Think about this last year, unseated, ranked 60 in the world. Now back into the quarterfinals, 
and she could get inside the top ten. Uh, what's wow. the biggest improvement you've seen from Jesse Pagula? Everything. <laughs> Look at her game. <laughs> if you were to compare Pagula from last year or this year to about three, four years ago, everything's improved. The, the biggest thing, though, her movement and being healthy has allowed her to train even harder. It's allowed her to get in and out of the corners a little better. These fast, hard courts are her best surface. She's got those shorter take backs. She hits the ball hard, flat. It stays low, and it's really skidding through the court in Melbourne. So this is the tournament where, in terms of slams, this is her best chance. She's played well and backed it up. That's not easy to do when you're coming back to your biggest year ever and having to defend those points. She's done a sensational job starting off here in Australia. But the fitness, too. I mean, this was a hot day yesterday, and she was by far the fresher player. Against a player we, we think of as being very in shape and, and very physical. I also think, you know, we joke a lot about the Buffalo Bills, and they tip off tomorrow at 11. She'll arrange her practice schedule so she can watch <laughs> her team play. But I, I wonder if there isn't some psychic value. To, I, mean, I don't want to overstate it, but I, I wonder if there isn't some psychic value to being associated with a, a you know, an ascending pro football team back home, and if that doesn't play off each other. Good good vibes all around. I think David Wood has brought not just the technique and tactics, but having been there for so many years with Venus Williams, he really brings that mentality of what it takes to, to win and not be not be cowed by, by the uh, opportunity, by the occasion. And I think that's where he really calmed her down, gave her the confidence. And, of course, you cannot do any of that unless you're in, you're in fit, unless you're in shape. And that's really that's such a springboard and has been one for her as well. She had the best season of all American women last year. Didn't really show in the rankings. Right. Now with this win, live rankings, top-ranked American. We'll see what happens. Other folks could pass her. But still, Jessie Pagula has earned her spot yeah. where she's at right now. Who will she face in the quarterfinals? Ash Barty just four wins away from ending that Aussie drought at home. Lindsay rematch from the Roland Garros semifinals three years ago against Amanda Anasimova. This one not quite as wild. No, and it looked like Anasimova maybe just a little fatigued from that long emotional victory over Osaka in her previous match. And Barty's just been all business and using all her shots. Serve plus forehand has been working great for her. She mixes in the slice backhand and kept Anna Samoza, Anna Samova off balance. But here the streak was broken. Finally, one for five on break points. Anna Samova able to break her serve. What was it? 63. Holds in a row from Barty. But what was amazing, Steve, yeah. is that didn't face Barty in the least. Gets down low two. Reels off six of the next seven games to get through pretty comfortably in this match. This could have been a danger match, and Barty made sure that it wasn't. And Anna Samova, a few more errors than what we've seen. She's just tired in the legs. But what a phenomenal start to the year for Anna Samova. She will build on this, but Barty, her dream is still alive. Seven aces, 23 winners, won 12 in the last 14 points, and is looking ahead to face another American. Each, each, I mean, each and every player is different. Um, each and every player, they, there are some similarities, um, but certainly tactics and, and the way that I want to play is unique to each and every player. And I try and adapt my game as best as I can um, to try and make my opponent uncomfortable. And that'll be no different when, when Jess and I play in a couple of days' time. I'm, my job is to try and make her uncomfortable and, and hopefully I can execute that, um, have some fun with it and, and make, uh, make life difficult for her. So here we see it. Ash Barty, Jesse Pagula, big-time quarterfinal. And then at the bottom, Barbara Krejcikova and Madison Keys. But, Martina, what do you think of the matchup with Pagula and Barty from what you've seen? Well, look, Jessica, her pressure was defending points from last year. She's done that. Now everything is gravy. 
absolutely no pressure on her whatsoever against Ash Barty, and she's going to be feeling it because she's a big favorite to win the whole thing, and of course now in the quarter. So, uh, the, if, if Jessica plays like that, hitting the ball flat and low, uh, not not giving Ash that much time to run around her forehand, she's got to stay away from the forehand. That's trickier, but she can do it by going to the forehand and then the backhand. But I think she's got a shot at it. Yeah. Did we give Pagula enough credit for pitching the shutout in the tiebreaker? 7-0. Um, no, I think, you know, I mean, I, we all admire Barty. We have great admiration for her versatility. At this event, it's been the second week recently where she has stumbled. She's looked terrific for four or five mm-hmm. rounds in the past, and she's had these, these second-week hiccups. So if the moment gets to her, if yep. the crowd gets to her, I think this is a real opportunity for, for Jesse Pagula. Yeah, you just never know when that moment comes. I mean, we were shocked a couple of years ago when it was out of nowhere, Kennan in the mm-hmm. semis for Barty, and then last year, Mahova in the quarterfinals. It, it's just been tough when you want something that bad and you kind of feel that pressure. Sometimes your best tennis doesn't come through. I mean, if you listen to her impress, she has taken all the pressure off herself or trying to and giving great answers but it's going to hit at some point can she play her way through it is really the question but uh, can we can we just I want to get Martina's take on Zverev how surprised were you on that flat as a pancake that's what I thought too and and he he choked serving for the set in the second set he turned it around was down set and break comes back 5-3 5-15 love bam couple double faults and just yeah he shanked a bunch of forehands in the at the end of that set, and, and, and losing it as well mentally. I mean, all that hard work. Well, that racket is a Picasso. <laughs> <laughs> so just the attitude more than anything. Yeah. And, and he just looked flat. How can he be flat at that point? Right? He was some people's favorite to win, and we had so much hope. But you look back, he's 24, going to be 25 in April. Three semis and one Grand Slam final. So doing okay, but still just can't play his best tennis consistently at majors. I, we really thought he was a chance to... To win the title. Should be easier three out of five than, yeah. than the other way around. The record, four and 15 against top 20 players in majors. Crazy. Wow. Big time events. Yeah. Doesn't step up. Bueno. Uh, a lot more to get to here on TC Live. We saw Jesse Pagula move on. Well, the Americans looking to double up down under with Madison Keys trying to get a big victory as well as we say farewell to Sasha Zverev. TC Live, Victoria Azarenka, the last former champ on the women's side. But there is only one player who has ever beaten Barbora Krejcikova in singles at the Australian Open. And John, Ekaterina Alexandrova is not walking through that door. <laughs> like Rick Pitino. Uh Still in the doubles, too, Krejcikova. Good for her. We thought this match would be a lot closer. And what we see here is one player just really coming into her own as this vulnerable seated player. All credit to Krejcikova. This was not uh, top Vika. You saw the, the swing and the miss. Uh, just never really got it going. We, we are nine years removed from her Australian Open title. It's a real credit that she's still playing to the middle weekend. But uh, Victoria Azarenka just didn't have it. Took some treatment for what looked to be a neck injury. But this was all Krajikova. 23 winners, only 12 unforced errors, 84 minutes, 2-2. Two two. That's a very nice way to advance to week two. Azarenka now 2-17 and 17 against top five players at majors. So kind of like Zvera. But for Krajikova... Listen, she had never been past the second round here. Now she has won 18 of her last 20 matches at majors. How? She's like a completely different human being from a year ago. I mean, she, she believed she got a good coach. 
she did all the work, but it really just happened so quickly. And she's been doing it on double scored for many years. But uh, she is just a complete package, really. And she has such belief now. Where they came from, I don't know, but she has it. <laughs> yeah, I was a little bit surprised, a little bit like Zverev with Azarenka. And yes, maybe she was hurt. Maybe that affected her more than we know. But I thought she was on a mission here. And she looked to be playing so well. I really thought she was going to pressure... Krejcikova a little bit more and really make a run here at this title. You don't want to underestimate Krejcikova mm. with her variety. But on these fast courts, I really thought Azarenka was going to push her more. Hmm. Yep. Didn't happen on this day. So who will Barbora Krejcikova face in the quarterfinals? Madison Keys hasn't made a major since 2018. And guess what they did? They gave her some bulletin board <laughs> material. What the Australian that? host broadcasters wow. put up Paula Bedosa through to the quarterfinal. This was before the match took place, Lindsay. Hold your horses. Right. Come on. Have you seen Maddie Keys play in 2022? <laughs> Come on. Maddie with a great start to this match. And after a tough third round match against Wong, Maddie ready to go in this one. And Bedosa as well. She had a tough match against Kostyuk and it showed today a little bit rusty. And Madison, with her power, took the play out of Bedosa's hand. And Bedosa just didn't know what to do in this match, wasn't able to get into the rallies, wasn't able to handle the pace of Keys. 26 to 10 on winners. Madison Keys earned herself 16 break points in this match. At times, the return can be a problem for Keys. It hasn't been in Australia this year, able to break five times. And this was much easier than I think we all thought it was going to be. He's ended up winning the last five games, now 10-1 and one this year. So, Maddie, what's been the difference? Uh, my biggest mindset change is just trying to enjoy tennis and take some of that just internal pressure that I was putting on myself. And it was really, it was honestly, it was freezing me, and I felt like I couldn't play at all. And... Um, just taking that away and putting tennis into perspective that it's a sport and it's something that when I was little I enjoyed doing and I loved doing it and I was letting it become this dark cloud over me and just trying to push all of that away and leave that behind in last year and start fresh this year. Very introspective. Learned a lot there from Madison as we take a look at what she is able to accomplish. Eighth career Grand Slam quarterfinal now. That was her 20th win over a top 10 player. Just her fourth at a major. And almost her total. All wins from last year. Uh, Maddie also said that Barbora Krejcikova is making tennis look easy. So how can Maddie make it difficult for her in this quarterfinal? Uh, keep that mindset of feeling how you how you did when you were a kid. You know, you just enjoy the sport. Uh, kids don't feel pressure because they're like in the moment. They're like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> and she regained that uh, that feeling. And she needs to keep that to keep that pressure away. And that allows her to swing freely. She can overpower Krejcikova, but Krejcikova takes you out of your rhythm. So we'll see who prevails on that one. Even on the highlights we show, you can see that pace with the naked mm -hmm. eye. I mean, apparently yesterday, Bedosa was looking at the, the miles per hour saying, boy, boy, these returns are coming back awful fast. Maybe I'm, oh, I'm, I'm hitting them as hard as I usually do. They're just coming back really hard. If she can sustain that level of pressure, not just with pace, but with depth as well. Yeah. Again, we show four clips, and you can see that she's hitting the ball multiples higher than her opponent. If she can keep that up. Go a long way here. Yeah, I mean, we always know Maddie's pace. She averages so high for especially the WTA, but a lot of times you can kind of match her against some of the ATP players with their average pace. But she got to Melbourne a couple weeks ago. She started the very first tournament of the year. That first week played a 250 event. And I remember her texting me saying, yes, the courts are fast again. 
So you combine her pace with yeah. fast courts. That is exactly what she wants. She feels like she could take the racket out of her opponent's hands when she is finding her range. She has her range right now. The balls are not flying out on her. She's building points. It's a perfect storm for her to play her best tennis. Yeah. yeah, in a good way. Exactly. Can, can I ask you, I mean, Steve, you picked this up. Those were really candid remarks, I thought, yeah. about, about pressure and about how she's felt stifled. What, what do you make of those? Well, it's amazing that she's speaking so openly about it. And, and for some of us, we knew what was going on last year, a very tough time. I think that we are quick to judge. And all of a sudden, Naomi Osaka coming forward and speaking about it, I think the players feel more comfortable being open about it because yep. this has gone on for a long time. A lot of players have kind of struggled with, could be defending points or how they perceive themselves. But now all of a sudden realizing, like, it's okay to struggle. You know, it's it's we see it with, with some of your... Rivals out on tour, um, and she's kind of reached this on her own. You know, she's been talking to a lot of different people and kind of reached this. It's been amazing, a transformation for her. Talking about pressure takes the pressure off. That's what they're learning. She's got the foundation kindness wins, fast courts, the pace, that mindset. Yep. Maddie Keys can go a long way yep. in Melbourne. Back to the men we go. Matteo Berrettini aiming to complete the set of quarterfinal appearances at the Slams. Got his first straight sets win of the tournament, Martina, against Pablo Carina Busta. Came at a great time. Carina Busta could not hurt uh, Berrettini. One BP for PCB. One break point for Busta the whole match. <laughs> and Berrettini just really allowed him to go for more on his shots. 28 aces, serving 77% for Serzin. Going for broke. Just really dominated. This match was not as close as the score indicates, really. Berrettini really dominating every aspect and uh, getting the win in straight sets. And he really moved uh, Karina Busta around. Just Karina Busta didn't really have anything to hurt him with. Berrettini, first Italian man ever to get to the quarterfinals of all majors. Well done. That is a big deal. So Matteo Berrettini is moving on. Who will he meet in the final eight? How about the Frenchman? Gal Malfis still hasn't dropped a set, John. Was locked in an early battle with Miamir Kitsmanovic. Has Gal Malfis ever played better? Serious question. I mean, we, we, uh, we, we know about his marriage off court. How, how about the marriage of substance and style? We, we always knew we were going to get flashy winners, but he's really sort of backed that up. There is his spouse, Alina Svitolina. I think he may move past her in... Uh, in rankings now, not that anyone's counting, but he, he's just been terrific and now finds himself in the second week of May, 35 years old, and is still bringing this level of passion, this level of athleticism. This could have been a tricky match against a young Serbian player, and he just sort of took, took the racket out of his hands. Again, the winners are fun. We all enjoy watching him play, but he is also backing that up with much cleaner tennis than we're accustomed to, more winners and errors, and... Uh, very nice win into round two. I don't know. Maybe we should even be talking about him as a, dare I say, contender? Maybe? Why not? Jem's life is fantastic, and Gal Malfis is into the quarters. Well, Quadzilla action. The Aussie surf bots. <laughs> is that? <laughs> what is that? That's right. Okay, I'd rather not talk Big rackets as well. All right. Casey Live. More of it. Big time. Next. <laughs>
Daniels, well done. Oh, it's still alive. She's made it. Well, that's the way to start the set. Around the net. How's that for a first point of a third? Definitely make the highlight. Oh, wow. Amazing anticipation from Nadal, not only to get there, but look at this little flick cross court. Oh, that's filthy, isn't it? going back over the other side of the net. Karina Buster senses it. Oh, that's sensational. <laughs> and that's only halfway through the tournament. And I don't know if that, that number one's ever going to be beaten. No. By the way, Lulu is, uh, is with us. I don't no, think the camera can, she no, moved can over. find she, her. She wanted to be closer to you. Oh, love you, Lulu. No, she's back just chilling. Uh, what do we think of those, those shots? That, that one, uh, for Crano Busta, first of all, you're tracking the overhead by sprinting forward and then making sure he doesn't hit the net or the umpire's chair, watching the ball. I, mean, that's, I think that's for the year. Just mark that. For yeah. The, we'll do that in November like, <laughs> or December. Calliope music. You ever hit one of those? Uh, I, 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 in doubles, yeah. It was because it was so windy. I, I had to go around the post, but I didn't have the umpire's chair there. It was on the opposite end. I still remember it was in Mission Viejo. In uh, California. Uh, but uh, the, the Manarino shot uh, was the most skillful, I Ooh. think, to, to go stop and hit it between the legs. And he hit a lob on purpose. So that was the most uh, reactive shot. He almost lost his Manarino. Um, I think the other thing, too, is sometimes in these matches, you look at the score, and some of these are happening. I mean, some of these are, it's fun, we're, we're hitting trick shots. Some of these are deep in the third and fifth sets of matches. Yeah, so I, I feel like we need a little leverage index where we have uh, how critical it was to the match. Yeah. Those are uh, it's good stuff. Week, week two has big shoes to fill. <laughs> uh, as we enter the social net, somebody tweeted Serena Williams, come back, oh, Serena Williams. Awesome. Serena follows Wait. this person, by the way, and, and she said, coming. Amazing. Right? I, we did, that's it, that's it's, been the most intel. I, exactly. That's what I was going to say. And I wasn't aware of who originally sent that message, maybe, but it doesn't have the blue check mark. No. It wasn't right. like someone, yeah. it doesn't seem like someone famous. Excuse me, I can't read that. Is that it says, she, oh, this yeah. person, Rena's Army, is, yeah. is oh, part okay, of there. Perfect. a okay. big fan of that's Serena. Awesome. So amazing to see her kind of, that's the first signal we've had from her that. Yeah. Coming. We'll, we'll take Hopefully. it. Where? We'll yeah. I don't care. <laughs> I want this person that, that's positive to retweet it and be like, when? Where? We've moved from we've moved from if to when. So yes. that's uh, yeah, exactly. that's progress. New version of the smoke signal. Right. <laughs> we got the, the bad <laughs> signal. <laughs> 
Um, Martina, you yeah. talked about this earlier, but we had some history in the juniors, a player from Kenya and a player from Iran winning for the first time. Meshkatol Zahra Sefi. First Iranian and a, and a woman from Kenya uh, winning their first round matches in the juniors. <laughs> they are pretty excited, and I just hope that they get some financial backing as well to, uh, to help them keep, keep going. Call it a, a sport of a lifetime in, in terms of age, also in terms of breath. The more countries represented, uh, the better. That's really, really lovely to see. Yeah, it was great moments, too, if you were able to see some of the clips of, of them both winning their matches. I mean, we're talking about juniors, and for the juniors, this is the biggest thing right. that there is. A lot of juniors weren't able to play the last couple of years with COVID, um, but to see that and then to read the stories of what they've both gone mm. through mm. to get here, to be able to practice, be able to learn the sport, it's like kind of shades of Anshabur and yeah. her mm. great story exactly. and how many people she's inspired just coming from a country where it's just not normal. It's awesome. Love Great. to see it. We want yeah. to see more countries get involved in our sport yeah. and uh, from juniors all the way to the pros. Marin Cilic, former finalist in Australia, won the U.S. Open back in 2014. He's 3-0 against Felix Ojealiasim. Got a great shot to move on. On TC Live, presented by Geico, we have reached that moment. Worth time stat of the day. All right, we might be a little premature here, but good for uh, the sense of perspective. Uh, how long a band do players have of these big three between the first majors one and their last one one? If you see here, Rafa, 15 years and four months is the longest span. Roger, very close at 14 years and seven months. So if, if Rafa were to win, still a big if, but that would just be uh, another sort of bit of a bona fides for him because he would have the longest band. This would be almost 17 years for Rafa between his first major, which of course was the French Open in 2005, and his most recent. Talk about longevity, just another factor when we do this sort of fun and annoying GOAT discussion. But, I mean, I just think that the length of excellence for as much as we talk about these guys, I wonder if that isn't a little underrated component. And with Rafa, how many of us, me included, said he won't last that long because he plays such a physical game. He's had his injuries, but he always keeps coming back from it. This one with the foot had nothing to do with how he plays, but he just keeps coming back. And uh, the longevity, right. never mind the, the excellence, is just astounding. Says someone who also... What, yeah, four decades, right? Yeah, exactly. Four decades, right. Exactly. You have, you have credibility to speak on this issue, man. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, Martina, you're going to lead us through our hot shot of the day. Yes. Okay, I what think this one's from Rafa, and it's 5-4 in the tie break for him, so big point. He does a little whoop-de-doo around behind, and now he runs this down and flips. What an angle. This is a ridiculously good shot anyway, but on a big point, gives him two set points. He doesn't convert, but what a get. I mean, Monomino must have thought, I'm in good shape here at the net. Nowhere near that ball. And Rafa gives it a big old roundhouse. Vamos. That, that made it 6-4 in the breaker. Yep. You know what the score, score that <laughs> yeah. breaker was? 26-14. Don't celebrate too much. you got 20 more points to play. Yeah. Oh, 28 minutes for that tiebreak. I liked that shot. <laughs> ah, great. I liked it. Great. That was wild. All right, here's our featured matches today. 
Collins, Mertens, Halep, Cornet, Maxime Cressy brings the serve and volley to Daniil Medvedev. Marina Sabalenka taking on Kaya Kanepi, as John mentioned. Kanepi beat her last year, actually, in Australia. And then Sitsipas taking on Taylor Fritz. So let's break them down. Starting at the top, Danielle Collins yeah. and Elisa Mertens. The Australian Opens where they both have their best winning percentages yeah. of any major. So who wins this one? Well, it's funny. Elisa Mertens, she's a factor in every major and is never discussed. <laughs> it's amazing. She is so consistent, doesn't have that big weapon, and hasn't had just that big run where we thought, oh, she's going to win this major. And I think that's why we overlook her a lot of the time. Danielle Collins with the bigger game, Mertens with the more steady and consistent game. But Mertens is tough on where she times the ball. She loves to hug that baseline, take time away from her opponents by making contact early and pushing her opponents back. I think she's going to be a little bit too steady. I don't think the pace of Collins will affect Mertens as much as it has some others. We'll see. Mertens a better athlete, but uh, the power of Collins, mm -hmm. it really is on uh, Collins' racket. If she's on and playing the way she has been and keeps building on that, she could win this match. Mertens, the more steady player, but the court's pretty fast. Yeah, so I think it's... I'm, I'm, I give I'm a slight nudge I'm to like 50-50. Yeah. I, I guess what? It's 50-50. Well, one has one and right. one's the other. Yeah. yeah. So one-one so one head-to-head. Right. Yeah. No, 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 no. I think yeah. No, I think um, not dissimilar players by any stretch. Some of it just might be who's having the better day. But, yeah, they, they played twice and they've split, so that's not helping us much either. <laughs> All right, how about Taylor Fritz and Stefano Sitsipas? Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. You, call, you calling it? I'm going last. All right. You guys go. What do you think? John, go ahead. <laughs> I think there's a real opportunity. And I think, uh, you know, some, something we say is look at accumulated time on match, uh, time on court, but also look at sort of accumulated psychic energy expended. And uh, Taylor Fritz has had a very nice first week. He's had some emotional matches. He's had to beat a friend. He's had to beat a tricky opponent, a veteran. I think he's got a real shot. I think pressure's off for him yeah, now. Yeah. Is everything is a big bonus. And Tsitsipas, we heard uh, Mark Petschi talking about that he's playing with half gut, half mm. nylon because of the elbow uh, issue. So there is an issue there. So he can get as much spin on the ball as he likes to. So I think Fritz has a great opportunity. I think he could win this. Yeah, it is a huge opportunity with how big Fritz has been hitting his ground strokes. Not a lot of time on these fast courts for Tsitsipas to manipulate his shots, to get to net. Uh, I don't know. I'm torn on this one, too, Steve. <laughs> Lulu, you're yeah. the one. You're decider. You're, Come on. Wake, wake up, and, wake, wake up for Fritz. Wake up and the cast the tie-breaking vote. No. Uh, no. Wake up for Sitsipas. She's hard no. of hearing no. now. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a draw. Uh, Maxime Cressy and Daniil Medvedev. Cressy already, I mean, the ranking has... He could get into the top 50 and then get those sponsorships, John, if he, win, if he wins this match. What do you think? I, I think Medvedev gets through. I think it'll be close sets, but I think that he knows what's coming in terms of the serve and volley. He knows how to get his returns down low. Cressy might sneak out a set, but I, I still think it's going to be Medvedev pretty straightforward. You go from a wild card to the highest player ranked in the draw uh, for Max Cressy. Great story. I, I think, unfortunately, it might end today for him. I agree. Medvedev, yes. three, maybe four. Yeah. Three, maybe four. Nick Monroe, by the way, on social media right now, has a credentialed segment with Maxime Cressy. Okay. So check that out. He, he seems very confident. Right. UCLA Cressy does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. like, I got four more matches yeah. to go to win. You need that. <laughs> he said that. Oh, how about that, Martina? Love to see match, that. Match your shoes. Does match your shoes. Did we get a shot of Martina's shoes? I don't know that we did. We got Lulu. We didn't get the shoes. <laughs> well, we'll see you back here tomorrow at TC Live. Yes. With, oh, yes. Like K-Swiss, no hate, but love conquers all.